the business buzz. Good day and welcome to the business buzz for your weekly dose of business, finance, and economics news right here on Vow FM. That's the voice of Vits 88.1 FM. We're broadcasting live from our studios right here in Bramfontein, Johannesburg. And my name is Mudio Mob Justice Kavaza, and I'll be your host for the rest of the hour. Who's to say that the world of business can't be entertaining? Definitely make sure you hold on to your seats as we seek to unpack and keep you entertained, educated, and intrigued about the world of business. Now, for today, we are talking um, about investing young. It was Youth Day the other day, and it is Youth Month. Uh, so we decided that from a business point of view, it would be good for us uh, to talk around um, what it means to invest as a young person in South Africa and uh, what are some of the challenges facing people and uh, what are some of the ways in which you can actually go about um, starting your portfolio today and, uh, you know, your savings, your investments is there a difference between these things? So to help us to navigate the topic, we are joined uh, by uh, Tato Moetsamang, um, who's going to be talking to us. She is a manager and research analyst um, at APSA's multi-management unit. And then we also talk to another young lady that is uh, Hope uh, Ditlakanyane, who is a venture partner at EMST Africa, about her journey as a young investor. So we give you a little bit about uh, the theory around investing and also a practical experience example around how someone has actually gone about doing it for themselves. Also coming up for the next hour, we're going to be getting into the business wrap. That's a part of the show where we give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news. And then we're going to be getting into the Buffalo Index where we tell you the state of your 100 rand. Now, remember that you can also find us uh, online, uh, engage with us on social media. Uh, we are VFM or Voice of Vits on Facebook. Our other Facebook page is Vits Radio Academy. And then on Twitter, we're at VFM. And then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. You can also stream the station live on VFM.co.za. And remember that podcasts of the Business Buzz Show are available on Vits.journalism.co.za forward slash business. And you can also search for us on Iono.fm or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts um, to listen to our great content. So that's how the show is looking like for the next hour. Definitely make sure you hold on and you don't turn that dial. We are here. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. Business Rap with Ken Sweatman. Welcome back to the Business Buzz. It's time for us to get into the Business Wrap. That's a part of the show where we give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news. And uh, on the line, we are joined by Ken Swettenham, uh, who is our financial expert. Um, Ken, greetings to you. And uh, how have the markets been this week? Well, the markets in South Africa have been surprisingly resilient, all things considered. Uh, mainly because around the world economies are beginning to open up and, and the markets do believe that economic activity is going to get better. Remember, markets always react to what they think is going to happen, not what is actually happening. Um, so, so the markets have been amazingly resilient, although there have been a pickup in infections in China, and, and that has created a concern that, that uh, there may be secondary infections in China and in other parts of the world. But at the moment, that's not really come through in our market, I'm happy to say. Yeah. 
now I think this week, you know, one of the things we can't uh, avoid is that in South Africa last night, um, or Wednesday night rather, there was a family meeting. This is what people, you know, have started calling, um, the president's, uh, addresses around this time of the month, uh, that there was a family meeting and, uh, you know, at this family meeting, we announced, you know, the opening up of more businesses. And in some cases, it does sound as if, you know, a lot of things have been opened. We aren't calling it level two. So for now, you know, would you would you say we are now at level three light? Well, well that's one way of, of, of uh, looking at it. Of course, uh, they're, they're calling it an advanced level three. Uh, they're, they're coming up with new terms on almost a daily basis. But you're quite right. I mean, we, we're looking at things like restaurants will be allowed to open for sit-down meals, subject to the usual um, uh, 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 social distancing. So I can imagine fewer tables. And I also understand the restaurants might not be allowed to have waiters serving you at your table. You'll have to go and collect your food yourself from a counter. Um, probably a big one for a lot of people, personal care, beauty, and, and the hair salons are opening. I can tell you I certainly need a haircut. And um, nail bars and that sort of thing. And I think that's critical. And the president stated a lot of these businesses are female-owned. And, and he wants to obviously get these businesses running again and, and allow them to contribute towards the society. Um, some sport, if you've got any sports fans who listen to your, your program, tennis, golf, cricket, or among the non-contact sports that will be allowed to operate. So, um, and certainly some um, licensed accommodations will be allowed to operate for leisure purposes. And dare I say, casinos will be allowed to operate. So it does does beg the question on where the social distancing will come from in some of these economies. And to top it all, cinemas as well will be allowed to operate. So a lot of the sort of entertainment stroke tourism businesses are, are being allowed to open it certainly does sound as if uh, I guess it's a good move uh, for all those uh, segments of uh, the economy that hadn't been allowed to to operate businesses without money, individuals without an income. I guess from you know from your point of view, I want this. There's a question I've been meaning to ask over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, being someone who looks at this stuff on a daily basis. Um, where does your growth projection for the country sort of, uh, I guess, sit? We've heard many numbers, 6% contraction, 10%. Some people, you know, the real doomsayers are saying we might see a 15% um, contraction. Where, where, are, so where are you sort of seeing the year um, going in 2020? Well, well, there's there's no doubt that we're going to have a contraction in the economy. Just the fact that we just about shut down completely the whole of April and most of May, and that alone, even completely now, we're not going to recover from just those two months. So we're looking at a contraction. You've thrown a few figures around, and, and you're probably right. We actually don't know for sure. We don't know how the economy is going to recover over the second half of the year, but we're probably looking anywhere between 5 and 10% contraction. And, and that's bad news, and, and it's bad news from a jobs point of view. I mean, just today, uh, in the last couple of days on, on the wires, Edcon is going to start a retrenchment process. Long-standing company in South Africa, they're going to be cutting thousands of jobs. About 600 jobs going at the SABC, SAA are going to be retrenching. Retrenchment has almost become a national sport, and the amount of jobs being lost is, is frightening, and uh, we could see a uh, 
a, a jobless situation sitting around 35 to 40% by the end of the year. It's going to take South Africa years to recover from this. And, uh, and that's going by the fact that we were only growing the economy of barely half a percent a year over the last three or four years in any case. And if we carry on with that tr- projection, losses of around 5% this year um, will take 10 years to recover from. So it's bad news all around, no matter which way we look at it, or no matter how much they're opening the economy now or what businesses are coming back online. We, we also have to remember it's all very well opening all this entertainment business, but are consumers going to buy it? A lot of the, uh, the average person out there, the average consumer, is really feeling it from a financial point of view. Are they going to be able to afford to go to restaurants or to movies or even to go and get their hair cut? And um, it, it, it's a big question, which I think will only be answered over the next uh, three or four months, I would imagine. So that's been it uh, with us uh, on the line with uh, Ken Swettenham, our financial expert, giving us a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news, just highlighting the fact that the markets have been quite resilient in South Africa um, over the last couple of weeks. And also, you know, the last uh, the Wednesday's announcement around uh, the opening up more of the economy, they're calling it uh, level three and advanced level three. And uh, we're going to see a lot of uh, the more entertainment and tourism side uh, type of businesses coming back online. Uh, But Ken is just highlighting the fact that um, we can open up all of these businesses, but what is uh, the consumer demand going to look like uh, for some of these things? On the one hand, you have a lot of people whose incomes have been decimated. Will they still have the money on hand uh, to access restaurants, cinemas and the like? At the same time, you know, just fears around, you know, social distancing also come into that play. So that's been it. On the other side of this, we get into the Buffalo Index. Business Rap with Ken Sweatman. Voice of Vitz has signed a code of conduct that is enforced by the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Under the code, we are committed to broadcasting news that is accurate, comment that is fair, and programming that is not harmful to children, does not amount to hate speech, and contains no gratuitous violence or explicit sex. If you think we are not living up to the code, you may inform the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Direct any complaints in writing to BCCSA, PO Box 412365, Craig Hall 2024, or send a fax to... 011-325-5376 or an email to bccsa at nabsa.co.za For more information, please visit www.bccsa.co.za The Buffalo Index on the Business Buzz it's time for us to get into the Buffalo Index. That's a part of the show where we tell you what your 100 grand looks like. And for today, because we are talking about the world of investing and how as a young person you can get into investing, I have a list of five books that I would re- recommend um, that anyone who wants to get into investing can actually, um, you know, read for themselves and you know start off this journey i'm happy to say that i've read uh, four out of the five books i'm about to recommend and um, you know i think this is makes for good reading opens up your mind you don't necessarily have to follow what's said uh, but it's just good to be aware and these are the type of books that actually 
help you to get thinking about you know your life uh, in the world of investing but also i've thrown in you know two business books uh what i think are business books and they sort of help you to maybe around finding your purpose deciding what it is that you want to do with your life which may also then inform what do you actually want to achieve from your investing life you want to build a house one day are you trying to create wealth for you and your family are you trying to create generational wealth that will outlaw last your uh, your lifetime and you know maybe serve uh, two or three generations down the line where do you want to go so the first book is uh, napoleon hill's uh, think and grow rich uh, that is a staple you often hear this book uh, being spoken about uh, that will cost you about two and a half buffaloes at 236 rand and then uh, simon sinek he has one called uh, start with why and uh, that's another one for two and a half buffaloes uh, coming in at 221 rand your your three buffaloes at 300 rand could get you a book from a local author uh, that is Muteto Nyati with uh, Betting on a Ducky. He is the CEO of Outron, uh, formerly managing director of uh, Microsoft in South Africa. Uh, just talking about his life's journey. Very good reading um, if you want to get into the world of business and maybe finding your your purpose and then benjamin graham uh the intelligent investor uh that's uh you know the most expensive book on this list at four and a half buffaloes or uh, 460 rand uh, this is uh one of those books it's a seminal work and you have people like uh, warren buffett talking about how um this was one of the books that actually led them um down the road um of investing and uh, benjamin graham was actually quite influential in his life and then the last book on the list is uh, tony robbins he's coming in with a book called the money uh, master the game another two and a half buffaloes uh, coming in at 241 rand so with about two maybe three buffaloes you can get yourself um, one of these books with the exception of uh benjamin graham's book and it's definitely very good reading and uh, much recommended for anyone who's looking at a career uh, in business and uh, the world of investing and uh, finding your purpose uh, because all of it is informed so that's been it in terms of uh, the buffalo index on the other side of this we get into the main topic the buffalo index on the business buzz Get your day moving with Sasso Delight. Whether it be an early morning coffee fix, a tasty lunch, or a snack on the run, Sasso Delight has all your needs covered. So grab the deals that keep you moving, like the classic pie uh, with a 300 milliliter Coca-Cola for 28 Rand, or bag yourself six donuts for just 35 Rand, or simply pop in uh, for your daily essentials. Visit your nearest Sasso Delight store today and keep moving with Glug Glug. You are young. You are black. You are powerful. Powerful. You matter. The, the business does. Welcome back to the business buzz for today. We are talking about, uh, you know, savings and investments as a young person. Um, it is youth month and it, we would not be doing our job as the business buzz if we didn't at least, um, touch on what it means to either invest, save, um, some of the tools that are available out there as a young person. Um, because whether you like it or not, I think COVID-19 has been that period that has shown us, um, 
um, why it is important to have some type of uh, rainy day fund or to have something that you can um, actually fall back on when uh, when life actually gets real. Um, I think a lot of people have learned that lesson really hard and hopefully for you know a lot of the young people listening to this you can get started on investing now so that you know in future if ever there is um, something else that happens because unforeseen circumstances happen um, on a daily basis uh, yet at the same time we're all trying to do our best to actually accumulate and grow our wealth you know you can't be going to work on a daily basis you know just for nothing it has to all amount to something at the end of the day so you can tell us what you think on facebook we have vow fm that's voice of vits and you can also find our other facebook page that is uh the Vitz Radio Academy, and then on Twitter, we're at VowFM, and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. So in this first part of the show, we're going to be talking to an expert um, just around what it means to save and invest. Uh, we are joined uh, by uh, Tato Moitsemang, who is a uh, manager and a research analyst at ABSA's multi-management unit. Tato, greetings to you. And I guess uh, on a first point, savings, investment, money under the pillow, the market, the stock exchange, like how do you define all of these things? Okay, greetings to you too. And thanks so much for having me. Um, I, I think I'll start with savings. You know, savings is essentially setting aside money that you don't spend today or now for emergencies or even for a future purchase. You know, it's money that you want to be able to access very quickly and with little or no risk. And, you know, various financial institutions offer a number of different savings options and you can find that readily available with your with your preferred bank. Um, and an investment, I guess you, you Unlike savings, which is setting money aside, like I mentioned, with the intention of spending it in the near term, um, is more seeking, trying to reach financial freedom rather than, you know, um, saving it for a specific thing in the near term. So you're essentially trying to build wealth by creating a second source of income to to supplement your, your, your salary. Now, these things are usually or typically used interchangeably but there is a difference and it depends on your short or long-term financial goals um simply put there are really three things that you can do that you can do with your money right you can either spend it you can save it or you could invest it spending as we know is is consumption um saving is deferred consumption. So it broadly refers to income that you do not spend or you're saving for, like I mentioned, for short-term goals, either a trip or you want to buy the new PlayStation 5. And the typical time horizon is less than two years. And it's also um, a method where you want to access the liquidity um, very quickly, like I mentioned as well. Um, which is also a big differentiator to to investments where investment is when you spend your income on something that promises to essentially create a future return and it's typically longer term in nature. So you're investing for a bigger and longer term goal like retirement or you're investing towards your child's education 
or you're even trying to just build generational wealth. Um, I like the fact that you sort of um, given that uh, distinction between, you know, the three different things that people do tend to do with their money, spend, uh, defer the spending or, you know, work in some way to actually uh, grow the money. And for a lot of us, we tend to look at the two terms, savings and investments as, you know, sort of one and the same thing, you know, like you said. But specifically on the on, on the side of investment, you know, uh, why is that, you know, why is that particularly, you know, important? And I guess uh, what are what are some of the things uh, perhaps holding people back, um, you know, from doing it? Because I can imagine that, you know, people want to spend today <laughs> um, their money um, as opposed to waiting, you know, five, ten years, you know, for something that may, you know, have grown to be something bigger uh, one day. Yes, yes, definitely. You know, and I, I wish there could be just a blanket uh, response to that, but there are so many, you know, nuances to 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 what is actually holding people back um, when it comes to savings. So I'll tackle it like this. You know, um, we've seen, you know, that previous generation, you know, financial freedom or actually seeking to reach financial freedom has changed from generation to generation. Yeah. You know, how millennials and generation Zs um, approach money and approach savings is very different to your baby boomers um, and previous generations as well. So, for example, millennials are more likely to seek financial independence uh, and a better quality of life in general compared to older generations. So in, in the South African context, for example, Old Mutual did a survey, um, I think about a year ago, where they showed that 24% of millennials are currently invested in, in a unit trust, for example, versus older generations who would only typically invest in, in a unit trust um, whether the the population of that older generation would be about 2% of people would actually invest their money in a unit trust. Um, and as well as, you know, having advantages currently of being the first generation to benefit from, you know, democracy and things like that, we are actually able to, to put our money aside and earn a higher net income than our parents. But we also do have challenges. We, we have high unemployment, as we all know, and we also tend to have higher debt. But that is, 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 is shifting. And I'll speak to that. Um, I'll speak to that in a later, in a, in a later, in a later point. But I just want to highlight that the attitudes towards money and investing greatly differ from previous generations to our current generation. We, we are becoming smarter consumers due to, I guess, a, a proliferation of, of smart devices and, and the internet and technology as a whole. And this constant access to information, you know, has helped us shape the way in which we think, in which we communicate, in which we, we make decisions. For, for instance, millennials are more likely to use online reviews to do price comparisons and are more informed about their decisions before making any sort of purchase or using any sort of service. So a lot of millennials have shown a preference towards access 
versus ownership. And this is a stark, in stark contrast to prior generations who were more focused on home and car ownership. So we're finding that a lot of uh, millennials actually tend to live longer with parents or even, you know, co like live with a partner before marriage um, just to reduce those expenses such as mortgage or rent. And also we're finding millennials, particularly in developed countries, are not buy- are not even buying cars anymore. Instead, they'd rather Uber everywhere or just use other modes of transport. So those are some of the things that are acting in our favor, you know, and they, they might be several factors that can contribute to this trend, which could be, you know, um, just general price sensitivity, um, you know, to, to and, and just seeking value for your for your for your buck. Or secondly, it could be, you know, like I mentioned before, the influence of technology and influ- and, and innovation in service offerings, as well as just, you know, our preference for, for seeking value experiences such as traveling and attending live events over material possessions. But what is holding us back is for, for some reason, millennials also have um, higher debt numbers. So a larger percentage of us have high debt in, in terms of credit cards, personal loans, and also education loans, because obviously we've had to fight to go to the best universities. And with that, for a lot of us, comes um, you know uh, educational loans. So a lot of that from a debt perspective is holding us back from, I guess, disposing or, or, or allocating a lot of our disposable income towards savings. And we also come from a generation where we would be the first in our families to get an education and, you know, earn a reasonable income. And with that comes, you know, things like black, black tax. And with that comes, if you have younger siblings, you know, you have to do for them what the generations before you did for you, you know, have to assist with putting them through schools and assisting with their lifestyles and just general, you know, taking care of home responsibilities, you know, now you have to buy your mom a house or a car, etc. So there are a lot of nuances that, that actually prevent us from saving more. But I also like to think that there are also a lot of things that you know, have put us in a better, in, in a better standing than previous generations and which should allow us to be saving more than we are. Uh, Tato, I'm very interested then to get your take because, you know, as you're talking in my head, I'm, I'm doing like a very quick sort of, uh, you know, pros and cons, you know, comparison between uh, this current generation of millennials versus um, the generation before. Uh, because, you know, as as we plus on one side, we minus on the other. But at the same time, as we minus on the one side, we're plusing on the other. So on the whole, are we better off um, than our parents' generation? You know, just considering the fact that um, in in a number of parts of the world young people can't um afford houses in the way that our parents gener uh, the older generation sorry um had perhaps um a lower a lower barrier to access to housing if you had um you know access to loans and stuff like that you know where do you see things on that end from your vantage point well from 
point of view, well, it, it's it's obviously different in the in the global context where you've seen, you know, um, American millennials, for example, developed um, millennials are saving more than the previous um, Generation X and baby boomers. So a survey was revealed where it showed that approximately half of millennials are actually saving up to $100,000, um, which is far more than the, the previous generations. But here at home, and unfortunately, you know, although there has been this shift in terms of priorities, which speaks to uh, uh, the differences in which way in, in which way millennials and older generations view money, but they also face very unique challenges. Um, you mentioned the challenges that previous generations face, but we also face, like I mentioned earlier, um, challenges in terms of higher unemployment and just from from me personally, um, not knowing how to track your finances. Mm. So, for example, you know, there's a basic rule of thumb, and that is never spend more than you earn. Yeah. And the first step in achieving financial freedom is to have a disciplined approach to eliminating debt, in my view. But nobody ever taught you this. You know, when, you, when you, you're going through varsity and you graduate and you get your first job and you get your first paycheck, Nobody ever really talk, tells you how to budget and how to track your expenses and how to track your, your, your income as well. So what I did after learning Cardway, like most of us, is that I applied a basic 50, 30, 20 rule of budgeting, which is you use 50% of your salary to cover essential expenses, essential expenses like house, whether it's rental or mortgage, um, food, clothing, water, electricity, etc. And then you allocate 20% of your salary towards investment and personal goals. And then lastly, the remaining 30% of your income, you spend that on flexible spending. Now, before I used to use this approach, like most of us, your money just goes to your essential expenses and spending. You don't even think about um investments or personal goals, especially when you start working, right? So yeah. what I did was I started taking a spreadsheet and right now I have a spreadsheet for every month and I've done this for the past three years and I can track every single thing that I spend my money on and I can track every my investment portfolios as well, as well as my savings account. And I can tell you at any point how much I had in each of those accounts. And I also spend uh, track my flexible spending as well. This is an important component because before I started doing this, it would be shocking how much I would actually spend on frivolous things. That when you accumulate, when you aggregate all of those things, it actually adds up to a substantial amount of your money. But if you don't track it and if you don't follow it because, you know, it is hard to keep track of because most of us, when we start off working, don't know and, and nobody has ever taught us how to track your money. And you're not even used to having any money. But once you once you master this this approach, and once you you take a disciplined and almost even mechanical approach to your money, and every, and you start counting every cent, it is amazing what you can do. And it's amazing uh, what financial freedom you can reach in a very short space of time.
I actually like the fact that you've sort of given us, um, you know, those very practical tools uh, to actually, you know, start on this road, especially that 50-30-20 rule. Um, but on a last point in this conversation, I, I thought perhaps you could just shed some light on um, if someone was to come to you um, because you are in this space of investments um, at a professional level, um, what are some of the tools out there that uh, people could perhaps um, get from an APSA or any other institution um, just as a way for them to start, um, you know, trying to grow their money? I think earlier on you were talking about um, you know, young people are invested in unit trusts, um, that sort of thing. So what are some of the tools that are available? We often hear many acronyms, ETFs and, you know, things like that. Um, you know, what can young people be looking at in the space? Okay, sure. So the traditional model you typically use by APSA and other financial institutions would be, so I'll start with the savings account. That's where you put your money you know, into, a, in, into an account that your bank offers. And this typically offers a very low risk savings option. But leaving your, your money in a bank account is seldom able to deliver the real growth that is required to beat, beat inflation. You know, whereas equity-based investment vehicles, for example, and I'll get to that later, can protect your, your buying power or the buying power of your money over the longer term. So if your if your needs or your goals are very short term, you just you know saving for um, that PlayStation Five, like I mentioned earlier, and you really are not looking to grow your your earnings in any way. You just want to put money aside at a very low risk and low return for something specific in the short term. This is the perfect option for you. But if you're looking to grow your money in real terms, then there are other several investment vehicles you can look at. For example, I mentioned the unit trust earlier. This is where you can invest your your most of your financial goals actually from savings to even longer term needs to meet your your, your shorter term objectives as well. And the benefit of a of a unit trust is that you know you're investing directly in that unit trust and it offers you the opportunity to to earn higher returns than a savings account and you can also get easy access to your to your money and this is typically within three days but it gives you access to uh, you know it's a pooled investment and it gives you access to 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 um risk assets such as um bonds a a bigger pardon such as stocks property etc as well as um bonds and other more liquid instruments and then you find things like you mentioned ETFs. Um, these can trade, you know, in 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 these trade in an, in a, in trade index funds, you know, like stocks, which offer the advantage of of being more liquid as well. And they can can be bought or sold anytime during trading hours, and they are also accessible to to smaller investors. So you don't need a lot of money to gain exposure to, to ETFs because they allow for the purchase of individual shares or even portions of, of indices, um, whether local or offshore, you know, at, at very small installments. So it is accessible even if you have, you know, 500 or 1,000 rand to invest every month. And then there are other things like retirement products, 
you know, which are, are typically, you know, structured around saving towards your retirement. And these are very long term. You can only access this at, you know, your retirement age of 55 and have, you know, some form of tax benefit as well and can only be accessed, like I mentioned, at a much later stage. So if you want to invest for your retirement for the long haul, look at getting some sort of retirement product. Um, there are also offshore portfolios, um, but if you're investing in this, it obviously comes in at a higher cost um, in terms of transaction fees. And also there are a lot of other risks like currency risks, etc. Et um, an option is to just invest, is to also invest directly into the stock market with the help of a, of a, of a stockbroker. EFSA, as well as various other financial institutions, will always have um, a stockbroking platform available for you. And these also come also at fees, but really you can invest anything from a thousand, two thousand rand a month. You don't need a lot of money anymore to access the stock market. And because of technology, it's also very accessible to anyone with a phone. And then lastly, you can invest also in property, whether it's actual buildings or you can even invest in listed property on the stock market. So you can buy into this property um, that goes much further than just bricks and mortar. So an example of this is um, REITs or, or even a real estate ETF or even a unit trust, you know. Um, these are shares that are property focused. REITs have the advantage of offering, you know, uh, very high distributions um, just because of the structure of that of that vehicle. You can even buy, you know, physical property upgraded for resale or even buy a building and rent it out um, to, to a tenant or a commercial property of some sort where you can rent it out per square meters. So there are a lot of there are various ways of investing um, in the listed market, um, as well as, like I mentioned, in terms of property in actual buildings. So that's been us with uh, Tato Moitimang, um, who is a, a manager for research and a research analyst at APSA's uh, multi-management uh, business unit. Uh, just letting us know about uh, what the investment landscape looks like uh, for young people in South Africa, giving us... Uh, just uh, the differences between saving and investment, letting us know that those things are different depending on what you actually want to do and some of the issues um, that are holding people back from investing and also just comparing um, this generation to previous generations and how young people can actually be going out into the market, giving us tips on how to actually go about investing for yourself, either with unit trusts, um, actually going into the market with property and the different uh, vehicles that are available. So that's been it. Uh, on the other side of this, we are going to continue with our show. This is The Business Buzz. Forget what the little birdie told you. Follow us, follow us, follow us at Bow FM and join the conversation.
Get more freedom, more fire, and even more for you this youth month with MTN Pulse. Unlock a free 1 gigabyte social pass plus music, movies, and gaming when you buy a 1 gigabyte MTN everyday gigs for just 29 Rand. Switch to MTN and dial star 411 hash to join MTN Pulse. Your pulse, your way. Exclusive to 18 to 24 year olds. T's and C's apply. Everywhere you go, MTN. Noisy neighbors making you turn up the volume. We get it, but there's noise and then there's need. So if you hear something disturbing happening nearby, take action. Turn down your radio and turn up your attention. If you hear the sounds of gender-based violence, visit gbv.org.za or contact the GBV Command Center on 0800-428-428 to report abuse or ask for help. Don't drown out the noise. Listen harder. gbv.org.za is there. If something's happening next door, nearby, or next to you, turn down your radio. Listen. Act. We'll be right here when you're done. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. Welcome back to the Business Buzz for today. We are talking about um, investing as a young person um, in and around South Africa. And we just came from hearing about some of the investment options that are available, at least from, you know, like a banking and that sort of point of view. But if you sort of want to get into it, uh, you know, for yourself, you know, we're going to be talking to someone who's actually embarked um, on this journey just around their personal investment journey. Uh, but before we get into into that, remember that you can uh, find us on social media. We are Vow FM, that's Voice of Vits on Facebook. Our other Facebook page is Vits Radio Academy. And then on Twitter, we're at Vow FM, and our hashtag is hashtag business abuzz. So for now, we're going to be talking to Hope Ditla uh, Kanyane, who is uh, a venture partner at MEST Africa. Um, she actually works for one of the uh, largest pan African incubators, that, uh, that's MEST Africa as a venture partner and also has worked with uh, tech startups across South Africa, Kenya, Ghana, Nigeria to actually support their growth strategies and raise a follow-on funding. She graduated from UCT and then joined the management consulting industry as a business analyst and then uh, later on going to be a senior business analyst before joining uh, the world of private equity, uh, working with the South African SMEs and uh, she has also founded a women empowerment platform uh, which democratized leadership and investment opportunities um, for women. Um, so Hope, greetings to you. Can you just uh, tell us just a little bit, MEST Africa, what are you guys doing out there? Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, so essentially, MEST Africa is a platform that empowers uh, different young people across the African diaspora with technical skills, and then they take them across a business program. So essentially, they teach them how to code, but then also teach them essential skills around entrepreneurship. So at the end of the program, they're able to start their own tech businesses. And the exciting part is that then, because we have a incubator network across different regions within Africa, they're able to set up, you know, shop whether it's in Kenya or in Nigeria or South Africa. And essentially what my role is, is working with the different portfolio companies within the incubator network to support them on their growth across, you know, whether it's the African market, but also internationally as well. So that has been really exciting to kind of un 
understand, you know, the talent that comes from Africa, but also the investment ecosystem within Africa as we work with these companies to refine the exit strategies as well. Now, in the beginning, we actually got to know a little bit about you, um, you know, just briefly. But in terms of your investment journey, is there a story behind that? Um, actually, yes, there is a brief story. So I'm originally from Soweto, which, you know, is a low-income area. And I think growing up, saving definitely is something that you know that you need to do. But at some point, you come to the realization that, you know, saving will never lead to the kind of economic emancipation that I think a lot of young black people look for. So growing up, I always knew that I wanted to get into investing because that's when my money would grow at a larger scale than saving. But I didn't know the different avenues to pursue. So then I kind of just did not do it. And so I went to university and I was part of a program called the Alan Gray Leadership Foundation, which is basically the foundation element of Alan Gray, which is an asset management firm. And in the program, I won an award, and the award was a certificate to invest with Alan Gray, and it was 5,000 rand. And, you know, it was trying to understand, okay, where's the best place to kind of invest this money? How do I get started? So that is how I essentially started. Just winning an award was the initial push that I got to actually get into investing and understand what that world is all about. I guess that then begs the question um, in terms of that, because it really does sound like, um, you had a lot of um, institutional plus sort of educational um, type of background. For a young person who is trying to get into it for themselves, who doesn't have um, an Ellen Gray, like you said, they are a big asset management firm. You know, where can someone else perhaps look to begin? Um, I think there's definitely a lot more support resources now than there was back then, you know. So now you have a lot of institutions, as you've mentioned, that come with their own advisors and brokers who are able to help you understand what your personal investment goals are, refine your strategy, and in some cases be able to advise you on the different types of uh, tools that you should invest in. Um, But there's also, though, a lot of influencers and content creators. So I think in the time that we exist in with social media, there's a lot of people that actually put out their personal stories but also put out a lot of knowledge that is broken down quite simply for people to understand with the non-technical knowledge and to be able to learn and you know refine their their personal strategies Um, but I think the best advice I could give is honestly honestly just start because I think the biggest barrier is yes a lack of information but also the fear of the unknown and I think you only overcome that fear once you actually start investing and you actually start understanding the platforms and that's how I gained my knowledge so it wasn't necessarily having an educational background in it but just starting with that initial you know prize money that I won and eventually wanting to see how can I maximize the growth that I am realizing for my portfolio and you just go ahead in the journey and you know if you have a goal that you want to meet you'll be more incentivized towards continuously researching, continuously becoming better at investing. Now, I think someone who actually takes time to look at, uh, I guess, wealth creation, at least over the last maybe a half century to a century, will know that um, people that actually make their money over time are usually either invested in the property market or or more than anything else in the stock market, um, you know, investments like that. So, 
with the, with the exception of the people that have like a big liquidity event, you know, winning the lotto, etc. Investing is that vehicle through which a lot of people do accumulate wealth. What do you think are some of the challenges? Because you've already mentioned the fear that comes with investing, but beyond the fear, what's actually stopping um, our people out there from actually, you know, going out into the market, whether it's the stock market or something else, and just making their money work for them? Okay, I think I talk about two challenges. So the first one is definitely behavioral. So I think a lot of people, you know, money. You have a psychological relationship with money, whether we'd like to admit it or not. And a lot of people don't grow up in the culture where money is spoken about, but also where money and money growth opportunities are kind of shared widely and the learnings from that are kind of shared widely. And as a result of that absence, then your behavior is not able to appropriately reflect what you should do in order to grow, you know, your own personal wealth. So I definitely think one of the challenges is the education around it and how that education eventually translates towards uh, impacting the behavioral responses that people have. So, you know, one way that you can combat that is to get yourself educated. So speak to friends, speak to family members, and speak to anybody you know, whether they're investing or not, just get the conversation out there as to how can we start on this. So for me as well, you know, I have a lot of people that I kind of get into little groups to invest with on particular goals. So that helps me keep accountable and also helps me to continuously learn from others as well. And then I think the second challenge is that there's just so many different tools as well. So I think it becomes overwhelming to know exactly where you start. You know, there's equities, there's ETFs, and there's all these technical terms. Um, and I think one of the reasons that, you know, or one of the ways that I've kind of overcome that is to really understand what my investment goals are. And the reason why this is important, and even if you sit with any advisor, they tell you to kind of really understand what your goal is, is because then it also influences your investment style. So, for example, I knew that when I invest, I want to be able to maximize the returns and with that comes with a lot of risk, but I was willing to take that risk because I wanted to make my money really work. So the way I invest is in equities, which are, you know, the risk is of them all. I think you guys have seen with the effect of COVID-19 and that what that effect would have on, for example, fossil shares. Um, but that is my investment philosophy. So I think a starting point is to know why are you investing, understand what type of risk are you willing to take on, and then definitely find certain instruments that are within your risk uh, appetite. And you can always reach out to advisors to assist with this or even friends who have invested before to assist with that. Um, I think at this point, our listeners might be a bit curious to understand um, because you are a young person, they might be interested to understand um, what your portfolio perhaps looks like now. You don't have to tell us how much money you have in the bank or anything, uh, but just trying to understand what type of capital allocation you know you have in mind and what the actual end goal is um, for your you know for your investment journey. Okay, sure. So I'll talk about it from when I started investing. Um, most of my money went to uh, ETFs. So ETFs are basically when the financial institution chooses certain uh, tax instruments to invest in and then they do like a bundle for you and then you invest in that. And, you know, there's different types where if you are low risk and then there's certain ETFs for that or if you can take on a very high risk. But as I've started to become a little bit more educated within the investment world, I've moved towards managing my own portfolio. So 
through the effects of COVID-19, actually, now my portfolio is mostly in equities. So what I did is look at, you know, the top 40 companies on our JSC and try to analyze which ones are currently undervalued due to the effect of COVID-19. And there's a lot of those because, you know, we have the effect of lockdown, which would affect the share price, for example. So I invested a lot of my money in that. And as the economy is opening up, I've been able to see the result of the share price increasing. So therefore, I've had returns from that. Um, but I still, you know... I'm not 100% uh, a, risk, a risk taker, so I still have my face share of balancing with ETF to be able to provide that stable income as well. Um, so yeah, so I'd say there's like a 70-30 split between equities and other types of instruments. Now, and also, you know, as you're talking about your philosophy, how have you found... Um, I guess the influence of your professional work, because, you know, the world of private equity, the world of, you know, venture funding, small businesses, that sort of thing. There's a certain type of way you need to think about investment versus how you, I guess, approach your own investments. So how do you how do you sort of draw that distinction? And actually, uh, has it helped you? Has it detracted? Like, how do you see that Yeah, professional experience? help me understand, you know, more refined, actually, what is the end goal for why I'm investing, you know, so if you look at a business, if we invest in a particular business, it's because we believe in the long-term value that that business will be creating in society, and that long-term value will be translating through the increase in sales, or the increase in the number of customers that they do have on the platform, or whatever metrics that you want to measure. So I think it's the same kind of philosophy I've adopted for my own personal investing, where, you know, my long-term intention is to be able to create wealth, and ultimately to be able to use that wealth to create more opportunities for black women and black-owned businesses. But with that, I think it was looking at the different platforms. So I use something called Easy Equity, which has made it a little bit more easier. But looking at the different platforms and within that seeing, you know, how can I identify companies that I believe will continue to create long-term wealth despite what is happening currently um, as a result of COVID or whatever other market conditions are affecting it. And that's somehow how, how I've adopted my own personal investment philosophy and has explained why I would now balance more towards equities because equities, although they're much more high risk, but they also have high growth within your portfolio. So that's a good opportunity for you to be able to earn much more money than, you know, having a balanced, a very conservative investment approach. So definitely it has influenced the way I see investing and the power of investing in general to be able to create wealth, um, both personally, but also in the context of private equity. You know, those companies are in it because they essentially want to have a lot of money that they gain upon exit. Um, so, yeah, so definitely focus on the long-term value that you can, that you believe companies have in society and invest for the long-term and it will always work out. I'm actually curious on the last point. You mentioned earlier on that the resources for people trying to get themselves educated and informed uh, are abundantly more now than what they were when you first started out. So I think I'm curious to hear, do you have perhaps a book recommendation um, that people out there might be able to um, perhaps go out and get and, you know, I guess, educate themselves, especially for young people? 
Okay, sure. So I think from the context of social media, there's a lot of content creators that actually really put out useful content regarding investing and also demystifying a lot of myths that have come about from an investment perspective. So someone that I personally love is, you know, the financial Sunny. Like she always posts really uh, good videos that break down complex concepts, but she's not alone. There's a whole lot of people you can find on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, but definitely also using a platform like Easy Equities. So I think this platform, what their intention is, is to really make the process of investing and understanding uh, the investment landscape a little bit easier. So they also have a lot of educational and extended videos, webinars that they do host. So even if you don't necessarily use their platform, you can be able to sign up and understand a little bit more about how investing works. And end up with, you know, you choosing an asset manager or any of the other, or a bank, for example, as you mentioned earlier. Um, so definitely there's a lot more content, but I think there's a lot of it online. You just need to kind of, as I've mentioned, understand, you know, why you want to do this, understand what your goals are, and be able to conduct the research that aligns to your intentions. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of places you can find out more information from. Okay, cool. So that's been us with uh, Hope Ditlakanyane, who is a venture partner at EMST Africa, uh, just giving us uh, some highlights around her own personal journey um, around the world of investment. I think her overarching, you know, message uh, throughout the discussion is just as a young person, don't want to get over the fear, just, uh, you know, dip your feet in and just to do it. Um, and especially more than anything, else go and educate yourselves she points to social media as a very good uh, platform you know you, you can go to youtube to she so singles out um, you know the, the financial bunny that's is Mashile, good um, as one of the people care. that uh, is doing you know great work in terms of informing people uh, but also just taking advantage of um, what people are saying on social media and also platforms like easy equity that uh, provide explanations and a lot of educational material on their platform around um, investment. She's also just talking about the fact that um, as time has gone by, um, she sort of moved to a more managed um, type of uh, type of portfolio uh, where she's actually going out and actually you know, looking at the value of things and also talking about the fact that um, her professional life in private equity is you know sort of helping her to get a grasp and a full understanding of the world of investment. So that's been it on the other side of this week come to the end of the show voice of it has signed a code of conduct that is enforced by the broadcasting complaints commission of south africa under the code we are committed to broadcasting news that is accurate comment that is fair and programming that is not harmful to children does not amount to hate speech and contains no gratuitous violence or explicit sex if you think we are not living up to the code you may inform the broadcasting complaints commission of south africa direct any complaints in writing to bccsa po box 412365 craig hall 2024 or send a fax to 011-325-5376 or an email to bccsa at nabsa.co.za for more information please visit www.bccsa.co.za ccsa.co.za More justice on the business bars.
So that's been it for today's edition of the Business Buzz. Thank you so much to everyone who was listening to the show. Thank you to our amazing guests, Tato and Hope, uh, for just sharing their insights with us just around um, what it means uh, to save and to invest. I really like um, what Tato was talking about, just talking about that difference uh, between the two concepts and then Hope um, talking about her actual investment journey. And it's actually quite interesting how both ladies actually show that you need to have some type of of a plan in place um you know hope just talking about the fact that she started off with having other people sort of handling it because her money was in etfs uh, to now a place where she can actually do it for herself and it's all coming from education and i think that's been the overarching message between the two ladies just around informing yourself around what are the options out there and actually getting started and having some type of a plan in place i definitely think it's very important because um nine to fives your jobs all of that stuff it's going to give you uh the first type of money uh that title's talking about money that's there to be spent and then anything beyond that that um, actually takes effort, you know, because the money that you get either through business or actually working, a lot of it goes towards consumption spending. And the moment you decide that you're going to do any type of saving, that actually it takes a concerted effort, discipline, and actually having a plan in place. And then I like um, the third part where you're actually now trying to grow wealth that takes an even bigger plan. And that's where the education um, that Hope was talking about actually then comes into play. So an important show, and I don't think um, the conversation we've had today is enough to actually encapsulate the the full breadth of what needs to be spoken about. We'll probably talk more around this in the coming weeks because there's just so much around um, this world. This is why you have entire investment professionals um, out there because it is that big of a deal. And it's not only individuals that are investing. Come Companies invest all the time, uh, businesses invest all the time, government invests all the time. So it is a very important topic. So that's been it. Don't forget that you can find and follow Voice of Vits um, on social media. We are Vow FM or Voice of Vits on Facebook. Our other Facebook page is Vits Radio Academy. On Twitter, we're at Vow FM and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. You can also search for us on iono.fm for our podcast and links which are available there. And and you can also find our material on uh, vits.journalism.co.za forward slash business. So with that, we've reached the end of uh, today's show. Thank you so much to our amazing team. Our producer, our technical producer is Kutlano Serame, together with our executive producer, Glory Mabuza, and our producer, Slindle Musibi. Don't miss the business, but same time, same place next week uh, for more insights into the world of business. Don't turn that down um, because there's more great content uh, coming up uh, on the Davao FM lineup. So for myself, Mudio Mob, Justice Kavaza, and the rest of the team, it is good afternoon, good day, and take care. Mob Justice on the Business Buzz.